God so loved this world that He gave His only Son. On the cross He died, from the grave He rose to give you life. Has anybody told you? No ear has heard, no eye has seen the wonders of God's love prepared for you. Has anybody told you? Well, today we're going to look at a topic that's a little bit like, I will call it a spiritual amber alert. You know what an amber alert is? <laughs> yeah. Every once in a while, you know, we're in the middle of church and, you know, and somebody's got, reaching for their phones, right? Well, this is one of those days where we got uh, the Word of God is going to speak to us and it's going to alert us. And if you were listening, listening, listening to God, you will hear him today speak to you. Because today is all about the issue of humility versus arrogance. One of the problems that we all face is arrogance. It is universal and it is deadly. And we have a warning from God about this. Arrogance will blind us. Pride is the one that says inside of us, it's really my way of thinking, it's always better, my experience is most significant, my understanding, well, that's superior to everyone else. My benefit, always the top priority, uh, and my advice should always be followed because, after all, I'm always right. <laughs> because I have the unholy trinity operating very big in my life, that unholy trinity is me, myself, and I. And that's why this message is so important. Beware. Beware, you may be, actually, as I began this message, you may be a part of what's called, I will call you the uh, false humility squad. <laughs> you need to listen, too. You're the people that say, you know, I wrote the book on humility. with 10 colorful self-portraits in it. <laughs> you listen too. <laughs> uh, this is the truth. Pride is a universal sin, and uh, we all need this warning today. One of my favorite books, and I know that many of you have read this book by C.S. Lewis, it's a classic. Mere Christianity. And there's a quote out of that book that uh, is up on the screen. I'd like you to take a look there. And this is what C.S. Lewis said about this issue that we're going to look at from the Word of God today. He said, There is one vice of which no man in the world is free, which everyone in the world loathes when they see it in someone else, and of which hardly any people except Christians ever imagine that they are guilty of themselves. The essential vice, the utmost evil is pride, unchastity, anger, greed, drunkenness, and all that are mere flea bites in comparison. It was through pride that the devil became the devil. Pride leads to every other vice. It is the complete anti-God state 
of mind, end quote. Whoa! That's why people read mere Christianity, is because it blows the cover off of all those kinds of human myths and misunderstandings. So let's go to the Word of God. Let's go to the Word of God. 1 Corinthians chapter 4 and verse 6, where Paul the Apostle, writing to this troubled church at Corinth, he's going to write to them again about this problem they had in their church, the problem of pride. Verse 6, he says, I have applied all these things, the things he's just mentioned before this, to myself and Apollos, for your benefit, brothers, that you may learn by us not to go beyond what is written, that none of you may be puffed up in favor of one against the other. For who sees anything different in you? What do you have that you did not receive? If then you received it, why do you boast as if you did not receive it? Well, looking at this opening part of this text for today, we remember that the church at Corinth was divided into factions. Some followed one preacher, some followed another preacher, some said, well, we only follow Christ. But what it did was it began to develop rivalries and factions in the church that were actually rooted in pride. It's a little bit like saying, this is a game and my guy is winning. <laughs> and therefore, here's the part of pride, therefore I'm right and you're wrong. This is still a big problem. People following just certain leaders out of pride, ranking one preacher or pastor over another, and uh, proud people following fallible leaders, that's always a dangerous path. I always say to you, please don't follow me, only follow me if I'm following Christ, amen? amen? Just follow me if I'm following Jesus, because we're all following after him. You know, the last court of appeal is actually the word of God, the revealed truth of God. It's the authoritative word of God, and that's why Paul warns him. He says, do not go beyond what is written. Do you know one of the problems of preachers is that they sometimes go beyond what is written. If I'm not just bringing light to the text of Scripture and helping you understand it, there's something wrong with my preaching. It should always be about the truth. It should only be about the truth. You don't have time for a bunch of opinion. You need to hear the truth of God. Amen? Well, these things are important today because there's so many videos and teachers and people even presuming to announce some kind of prophecy that they got from God. I'm just telling you, if they go beyond this, they're wrong because this is the word of God, and it is final. Well, let's move on. Verses 8 and 9, the delusion of pride is revealed there. Verse 8, Paul writes, Already 
You have all you want already. You have become rich. Without us, you have become kings. And would that you did reign so that we might share the rule with you. For I think that God has exhibited us as apostles as last of all, like men sentenced to death because we've become a spectacle to the world, to angels and to men. <laughs> now, be careful when you're reading your Bible and a section like this comes up because you could interpret all of this the wrong way. You could conclude that Paul is calling the Corinthian church some kind of super church. You have all you want. You've become kings. It really sounds really impressive. And some churches in America are like this. They boast about themselves. They boast about their leader. They hire press agents. They hire writers and promoters. They advance their image. These are super churches with super leaders. Is God impressed? No. Oh, really? No. God's not impressed by all of that fluff. I had a friend who actually worked on a team just to promote one pastor here in Southern California, and it was a high-paying job. Paul is not calling the church in Corinth a super church. It's not. As we've already discovered, it's a church in trouble. It's a church in crisis. It's a church that is being consumed by the culture around it, much like the church today in America is being eaten up by the culture instead of being salt and light. Aren't we called to be that? We're different. We're counterculture. Paul's not calling them a super church, and he's using hyperbole to call them out. He's exaggerating their pride, by, and he's making a bigger point. These people believed that they were super Christians. They were even superior to the apostles. Paul is opening their eyes to look at themselves. And if there would be one thing that if God could help us today, it would be to look at ourselves. You know, Paul is, Paul is really opening our eyes to ourselves. You know, we've all been and we've seen proud people You've seen the unscrupulous church leader who thinks he's above the law and just kind of operates in this sphere out here somewhere on his own because he's so powerful. The judgmental Christian with the bony finger constantly telling everyone else that they're wrong. The boss who puts the suggestion box out there but never checks it. <laughs> the Bible teacher who responds to every question like, uh, it's a put-down. The friend, quote-unquote, who insists on telling you what you are thinking and what you better do. The braggart who trumps your every story with something that he did that was, or she did that was greater, bigger, better, more remarkable. Honestly, most of the time we can't stand those people. But listen, our culture celebrates them. The rich, the famous, oh yeah. All over, aren't they? Yeah. Oh, we got to find out what they're doing. I wonder what they think. What's their new gadget they got? Did they buy an island for themselves? The whole world revolves around them, doesn't it? Well, it's easy to look at others and see their pride. And we should understand what it is. But what God wants us to do is take a hard look 
at ourselves. What form does it take? How do we disguise it in ourselves? Corinthian believers were spiritually, he says, rich. They were God's royalty like kings. And in some ways, you could say, in Christ we are. But they didn't receive it because they were so superior, they thought, in intellect, ability, and conduct. But the fact is, and Paul's trying to bring this point home for all of us, listen, there's nothing that you have that is good in your life that doesn't go right back to God who gave it to you. Your heart that's beating right now in your chest is a gift from God. Don't be so proud to think it couldn't stop like that. Fact is, you have been blessed. God is a gracious giver and a merciful God. Let's just give him thanks. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Spirit of God. Mm. Wow. Humble ourselves before the Lord. You know, when we get, we get proud, you know, it blinds us to other people, too. We don't see the tear in their eye or the grimace of their pain or their look of fear or the appearance of exhaustion or their cry for help because we're too busy looking at ourselves. How tragic. Well, the Apostle Paul moves on. He talks about how pride makes us superficial in our commitment to Christ. Look at verse 10. He says, we are fools for Christ's sake, but you're wise in Christ. It sounds like a little bit more of that almost sarcastic hyperbole. We are weak, but you are strong. We are held in honor. But this is now getting true. But we are in disrepute. This is reality. To the present hour, we hunger and thirst. This is what the apostles are going through. We are poorly dressed, buffeted, and homeless. What? In the Bible? Yes. And we labor working with our hands. Paul was a tent maker, right? When reviled, we bless. When persecuted, we endure. Oh, God. No, they were going God, yes, but... They weren't crying out like, oh, you know, what happened to me? The bottom fell out. No, God's got your bottom. <laughs> when slandered, we entreat. We have become and are still like the scum of the world, the refuse of all things. You know, the word here in the Greek is that the stuff you scrape off your shoes. So he said, that's, that's, that's who we are. There's such a stark contrast he's drawing between the people in the church at Corinth and the apostles. The, the, the Corinthians were exalted, self-satisfied, pampered. The apostles, hardworking, sacrificing, enduring abuse. See, the, the church at Corinth was, was reflecting the world's values. The apostles, listen, we're living like Jesus. Now that's convicting for all of us. Do we live like Jesus? Turn with me to Luke 14. We're going to go a little deeper here on what it means to walk with Jesus, to be a Christian. Luke 14, verse 27, the words of our Savior 
He says, whoever does not bear his own cross and come after me cannot, ooh, underline that one, cannot be my disciple. Didn't say, well, he can sort of be. No, no. He says, if he doesn't bear his own cross and come after me, he cannot be my disciple. Uh-oh. That means that there's something kind of written into the script and that something might be I'll have to suffer some things, endure some things, set aside some things, sacrifice myself, not think about what's, what's in it for me. Huh. Verse 28, for which of you, desiring to build a tower, does not first sit down and count the cost, whether he has enough to complete it? Good question. No, no contractor, some of you are building contractors. Would you ever start a building and go, oh, I don't know what to do? <laughs> we'll just start throwing some lumber around. <laughs> People would say, you're crazy, dude. And Jesus asked the question, no, you planted ahead. Otherwise, when he has laid the foundation and is not able to finish, all who see it begin to mock him. What's that? That guy's crazy. Saying, this man began to build and was not able to finish. Now, Jesus is talking about you and me. He's saying, are, are you ready to finish? We talked about this, right? Rings a bell. This was the, this was the message we got the last couple of weeks. Are you going to finish well? You're going to stand before the Lord Jesus. You're going to finish well? I mean, honestly, you have to make a decision about this. You have to decide now. Not, oh, I'll get out there somewhere and I'll figure it out. No. You're going to, you're going to make a commitment now. If you're going to follow, you cannot be, Jesus... It's not, oh, I, I can kind of be a... No, you cannot be my disciple. Listen to Jesus. You cannot if you're not willing to take that kind of a sacrificial step. Now, that's calling you deeper. That's not just calling you to be nice at church. This is calling you to be a sacrificial servant of the Lord Jesus Christ. Jesus didn't promise an easy road. In the upper room, he told his disciples, John 16, in the world, you will have tribulation, but be encouraged. I have overcome the world. That's who I follow. That's who you follow. But you are going to have tribulation. You're going to struggle. So you need to cultivate humility. What does that look like? Well, humility is rooted in this profound sense of how great God is. How small I am. <laughs> that alone will stop you cold in your tracks. Okay, I'm, I'm thinking I'm kind of pretty smart, pretty, pretty powerful. People think a lot of me. I got money. Got position. Okay, let's now take all of you and let's stack that up against God. That puts you in your place. And you know what? All of us need to be put in our place. 
You know, we come into the house of God to worship him because he's great. He's holy. He is glorious. He is infinite. He made the heavens. He spoke them into being. Think of that God. Wow. That'll humble us. So what does the heart of a servant, a humble servant, look like? Well, Paul moves on in verse 14. He says that when you're humble, you have a genuine love for other people. That's what it looks like. Verse 14, I do not write these things to make you ashamed, but to admonish you as my beloved children. For though you have countless guides in Christ, all these preachers and leaders, you do not have many fathers, <laughs> spiritual fathers. For I became your father in Christ Jesus. How? Through the gospel. See, Paul doesn't want to shame them and blame them. By the way, think about this. It's just in your life with everything else. Shaming and blaming doesn't really solve anything. So let's stop that. If you're doing that at home, stop it. Stop it. <laughs> it doesn't solve anything. Take responsibility for yourself, your own behavior, your own attitude. That's what this message is about. It's not about finding fault in everyone else. It's about looking at yourself. How do you stack up? When it comes to humility, well, Paul says, I, I'm, I'm doing this out of love. I love you. Uh, and because I love you, I'm going to correct you like a loving father. You know, as we work our way through this letter of 1 Corinthians, we'll discover that Paul had to be direct, and at times he had to be harsh. Why? Because he wanted to help them. He was like a father. He was the spiritual father. of. He was the one that planted the Corinthian church. And he's all like a good parent, right? Good parents do what? Spoil their children rotten. <laughs> Give them everything they want. No. What does a good parent do? They train. They discipline out of what? Love. Do you know how that's how God is with me? And I've been spanked. And my dad believed in that, by the way. <laughs> and uh, my heavenly father has spanked you too. Because there's not one child in the family of God that hasn't had it, hasn't been disciplined in some way. We do it that we might share in his righteousness, in his goodness, and in his favor. Because he loves us. And so Paul is appealing to them at like a father. And he said, I, this is all out of love. And so when you're humble, and Paul was, was, was that man, he was walking like Jesus. And Jesus has to speak to me sometimes in harsh terms. Have you ever had God correct you? Every head goes like this. Every head goes like this. Every head goes like this. God has corrected you. 
you may not have been the child that listened. <laughs> Sorry, God. I didn't get my lesson. Okay, another lap around Mount Sinai. <laughs> you know, when you're humble, you don't just tell other people what to do. You show them. Verse 16, he says, I urge you then, be imitators of me. You know, pride is always telling everyone else what to do, what is right, how to, you know, it rarely gets off this pontification throne long enough to actually live humility. But Paul says to them, I urge you, be imitators of me. The words is mimic me. Paul is telling the Corinthians to follow, listen to what he says and follow what he does, follow his example. Because, you know, here's the thing. Listen, people follow people. Did you know that? We all find someone, and we, we sort of kind of pattern, kind of look at their life, and we follow. And pick your, pick your heroes carefully. Can I tell you that? It'd be the wisest thing for you and for your children and for our youth. Pick your heroes carefully. People follow people. And so, like it or not, there are some people that look up to you. They will follow your example. The question is, <laughs> if they keep on this track, how are their lives going to turn out? Children copy everything. Our vices, our mannerisms, our words. You know, they get to be a certain age, and you send them to school, and they tell on you. Did you know that? They will tattle on you as a parent. They will, they will reveal your secrets. You go, Mommy and Daddy didn't live there. <laughs> I grew up in a family with four kids. I had two brothers and one sister. And at our table at home, my dad placed me to his right. He's at the head of the table. I'm right there. And there was a real good reason why I was right there, <laughs> and that I was within arm's reach of my father, if you know what I mean. Now, my dad didn't play favorites, but he just knew that I needed more correction than the others. So we had to, so you know what it did? This is interesting. It made me have a close relationship with him. Because he was always reaching out to me. And you know what? I learned to reach back to him. And so when dad went out into the yard, who is his little shadow? But I was the one who was probably always getting the correction. I'm telling you this because don't... Some of you have been spanked hard by God. Don't resent him. Draw close to him. Because he did it for your good. Because he loves you. Correct a wise man, and he will love you. Correct a fool, and he will hate you. That's the Bible, the book of Proverbs. Before you correct anyone, if you have to do that, 
Make sure that they know that you love them first. That's humility. That's, that's the real thing. Paul wasn't saying, imitate me because I'm doing such a great job. I'm such a great person. He's telling them to follow him because he was following Jesus rather than the world. If anyone had reason not to be humble, it was Jesus. He was superior and is superior to everyone in all the universe. Certainly everyone that was around him on this earth, his creation, he had no fault, he had no weakness, nothing of which to be ashamed. Yet, listen, the scripture holds him up as the greatest example of, of all things, humility. Humility. Philippians 2, have this mind or attitude in you which was also in Christ Jesus. And then it describes him and says, he humbled himself to the point of death, even the death on the cross. And it ends this way. Therefore, God has highly exalted him and given him a name which is above every name. That at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven, on earth, and under the earth. Oh yeah, under the earth, that means hell. They will bow their knee to Jesus too. And every tongue will confess that he is Lord. How? To the glory of God the Father. That's what the Bible teaches. But Jesus comes to greatness, how? Through humility. And I'm just here to tell you today that that's exactly your path too. It's no different for you or me. It's us. So this is a great lesson, and that's why, that's why this lesson is, is not one you go, oh, well, that's for somebody else. I know somebody should be listening to this one. <laughs> and I know who they are. <laughs> no, it's you. Put the mirror right there. <laughs> Jesus was so humble. Began life as the son of a carpenter, owned no home, had no place to lay his head, washed the feet of his disciples when they were competing with one another about who's the greatest. He taught the importance of an innocent child and how we all need to be more like a child. He touched the untouchable lepers. Hmm, that's humility. He walks towards Jerusalem on his way to the cross. He passes through Jericho and he overhears over the, the crowds. He hears one blind guy go, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. Jesus goes over and heals that man. He hears the cry. He hears, he is so humble, he will hear the faintest cry. Your faintest cry. Your little whimpers. Does he care? Yes, he will be there. Jesus ate with known sinners. Social outcasts. Well, that's not very good. We well, didn't do like some Christians do. They go and hang out with the wrong crowd, and then they let the wrong crowd influence them. He didn't do that. 
He went and influenced them and he brought light where there was darkness in their life. That's humility. That's love. He listened to people blaspheme him and took it. He asked the Samaritan woman for a favor. Ah, That's not culturally correct. Jesus was the son of God, but he wasn't ashamed to be humbled. He was stripped, he was beaten, and he was crucified among thieves. And yet, he's the son of God, the son of the Most High, the creator of heaven and earth, infinite in every dimension, Jesus, humble. So when you're humble, sometimes you have to do difficult things. Look at verse 17. Paul writes, That is why I send you to, I'll send you Timothy, my beloved and faithful child in the Lord, to remind you of my ways in Christ as I teach them everywhere in every church. Some are arrogant as though I were not coming to you, but I will come to you soon if the Lord wills, and I will find out not the talk of these arrogant people, but their power. For the kingdom of God does not consist in talk, but in power. It's not a, just a bunch of words. It's action. It's the presence and action of God. What do you wish? Shall I come to you with a rod or with love in a spirit of gentleness? Now, remember, these are inspired words of a man of God who cares about the people of God in a church that's full of pride because when that church, listen, when a church is full of pride or a pastor or a people or any one of us who follow Jesus is full of pride, God can't bless that person or that church or that pastor. You say, well, I know some pastors are really stuck on themselves. They're really popular. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about the blessing of God. And the kingdom of God is not just a bunch of talk. It's power. This is what it says. You know, the, the Bible says that the church, us, we, we're the bride of Christ. That's beautiful. That's wonderful. And so the bride needs to take care of what she says, how she acts. She needs to be put together. But, you know, pride is sort of like, like releasing a stink bomb at a wedding. How rude. How awful. How inappropriate. And pride in the church is a stink bomb. <laughs> the bride of Christ. So Paul says, I, here's my solution for the arrogant people. I'm going to send you Timothy to teach you the ways of the Lord, to shepherd you in a new direction. Uh, I'm going to send you my best protege. Number two, if you don't shape up, I'm going to come to you personally. Give you a greater rebuke. And if that doesn't work, uh, 
you know, I'm going I'm to come and I'm going to exert my apostolic power over this situation. You know, sometimes you have to do hard things. Humility and love require us sometimes to say no. When we simply look away at the sin of others, we are not acting in love or humility. We're actually being selfish. And let me explain what I mean by that. Because often when, I mean, if you go in love, again, you have to go in love. Sometimes we choose to protect ourselves from the possibility that it might get a little unpleasant. I mean, this sermon is a little bit of a risk with some of you because it's a little unpleasant. Good. <laughs> Should be unpleasant for all of us. In a good way. Every good parent knows that if you never say no to your children, they will never learn how to control their harmful impulses or make wise choices. And so you teach your children to say no to what is evil and wrong and destructive for them. If parents always bail out their kids and the children never learn the consequences of their choices, guess what? They're going to go into wreck and ruin in life. Sometimes we need to, to be willing to do the hard things like Paul was doing with this church. Why? Out of love. You care more about their growth than you care about what they think of you. This is what God does with all of us. So let me close this message with the kind of the so what, pastor? What do I do now? kind of laid this whole thing out from the scripture. So here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to ask us actually to read from the Bible, a text from the Bible, and it's, it's actually a revival passage, James chapter 4. It is up on the screen, and I want us to read it together. This is our solution. This is the new direction. Okay, let's read this together. Ready? Here we go. Submit yourselves, therefore, to God. Resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Stop right there. Remember the devil? What's he full of? You got to resist that one, okay? Let's carry on now. Draw near to God, and he will draw near to you. Cleanse your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts, you double-minded. Be wretched and mourn and weep. Let your laughter be turned into mourning and your joy into gloom. Humble yourselves before the Lord, and he will exalt you. How do you like that? There's the pattern. That's the message. That's where I need to go with my life. Submit myself to God. Resist the devil who's always trying to play that same thing back at me to make me the most important thing, and then he takes me down the dark path. Flee from him. Draw near to God. Oh, what a sweet presence to be in the presence of God. And he will draw near to me. Cleanse my heart. Search me, O oh God. Know my heart. See if there's any wickedness in me. And then humble myself before the Lord. And in his time, he will exalt you.
Well, let me close with this. I, I, honestly, I struggle, as you do, constantly struggle to find a balance between being confident because of my relationship to Christ and being arrogant, feeling that I deserve something because of what I've achieved or received. Here's the truth, and I started with this. Everything I have, and you have too, is a gift from God. Don't let it go to your head. Number two, I admit that sometimes I want people to like me. So I overlook being as direct as Paul was with the Corinthians. And by the way, it's not loving them when you chicken out. And thirdly, I admit that sometimes I lack compassion because I feel tapped out when really it's really about me. I admit it. Instead about Jesus and about others. You see, pride is everyone's problem. We all suffer. And we all need to confront it, confess it, and move towards humility. Submit to God. Resist the devil. Cleanse our hands. Purify our minds. Be miserable and mourn over our own pride, our sinfulness, and then humble ourselves before God. He'll go, okay, come on. Now we can get this done. Now we can really move. Now you'll really step into what and who I am. Because that's God. Well, may the Lord bless this message to our hearts today. Father, we ask you, as we come into your holy presence, that you would instill in our minds this message of humility. It is not a simple, easy transaction for the ever-present ego, self, wants to assert itself. And so, God, we pray that we would say no to that assertion to that pride, and we'd say yes to love and humility and service. <laughs> Jesus, if you could wash the dirty feet of your disciples, what's wrong with us? We think we're above everyone else. God, forgive us. Teach us your way, O oh Lord. Guide us on your path, O oh Lord that we may be more like Jesus, not like the world. They, they, they're not getting it, but we are supposed to get it. And you cannot be the, your disciple, you said, unless you figure this out. So Lord, help us by your mercy and grace to confront it, to confess it, to resist it, and to commit ourselves to following after you. I pray in Jesus' name, amen.